why don't we just stand, stay standing for a minute and uh, lift our hands. Close our eyes just for a moment. I just want us to reflect on the goodness of God and the amazing community he has put us in. You know, even if you haven't been here very long or it's your first time this morning or if you've been here 20 plus years, why don't you in your heart just give thanks to God for bringing you home. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. There it is. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence here today. For your presence in us. We commit this morning to you. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take a seat? Thank you, band, so much for this morning. Love coming here to praise. Thank you, David. Well, as Cody said, this year we have been delving into the big why, the why of our faith. Why do we believe what we believe and why do we do what we do? And, you know, as a parent of three young children, I sort of feel qualified to attempt to answer any question that comes my way. Honestly, there are about 40 tabs open on my Google app on my phone, half of them filled with why questions. Honestly, my six-year-old loves to throw the curly ones, you know, like, why do elephants have tusks? And, you know, like, it's just, and it's random. And it'll just move constantly, like sometimes sitting on my phone. But um, when the team got together earlier this year to discuss the preaching topics, I knew this one was for me. This subject makes me come alive because when I walked into this place, I came alive. I am passionate about Jesus and I am passionate about the church. It's central to my life and it it's what makes me tick. And I'm so excited to be sharing my heart with you. Hopefully the tears stop so we don't have a wonky voice all morning. <laughs> I'm not a theologian. I'm not a great teacher, nor evangelist, nor a prophet. But what God has instilled in me over the years is a mother's heart for her community. And there are just so many ways we could talk about the why, the what and the how of church. But over the next two weeks, I want to encourage you and inspire you to consider why community and why gathering is central to our life as believers in Jesus. That's why the church is so important. 
You know, it, it's evident in the Word of God that when we find Jesus, we find community. The two are inseparable. God created us for two reasons to be in relationship with Him and to bear His image to the world. And we achieve both when we decide to follow Jesus. And when we are in relationship with Jesus, we automatically become part of the family of God. Our identity and our calling to go out into the world and make disciples is found and achieved together. We are going to discover this truth through the power of stories. Today we're going to take a brief journey through the Bible to discover why church is so important. And next week, I'm really excited, we're going to do a little segment called Five in Five. We're going to hear from five different people in this community about why church is important and meaningful to them. I'm going to share a little of my story and also highlight the importance of gathering together. Before we jump in, let's pray again. Okay. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, here. As Brendan said, gosh, I love God. Tying it all together this morning. On earth as it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Amen. Okay, so if you've been around a little while, you would have heard our wonderful Pastor Chris say, the church is not a building, it's a people. And he is entirely right. The church is a community of Jesus followers One author I read this week in my research describes the church as friends on a mission. I love that. The Greek word for church is ecclesia, which is the word used for church in one of my favourite passages from Matthew. You may know it. Jesus asks his disciples who people are saying he is. What are they saying out there? And when Jesus asks his disciples what they think, Simon pipes up with this. This is Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 to 18. He says, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Wow. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock... I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So so Peter, formerly Simon, has this incredible revelation of who Jesus is. And Jesus says he will build his church, his ecclesia, on it. But ecclesia doesn't mean a building. It's a people. It's a community. Though we have different backgrounds, nationalities, families and life experiences, when we personally have a relation, 
have a revelation of who Jesus is and decide to follow him wholeheartedly, we are united in common belief and purpose with other believers. Ecclesia is defined as the called out ones. Pastor Chris uh, talked about this before going on leave. I don't know if you remember, he talked uh, a bit about the why. Why are we called out? As followers of Jesus, we are called to be different, but also to make a difference. We are called to build bridges with one another within our community of believers and build bridges to the community around us. But why? But why is community so important? Because it's all about God's presence, heaven, here on earth. It's about our created purpose to be in relationship with Jesus and bear his image to the world. And it's a purpose we live out together as a community of believers. Has anyone um, heard the American phrase, and I, I can't say it, it's y'all, y'all. It means you all, and it's a, it's a collective phrase. We heard it, Mason and I heard it f- for the first time firsthand. I don't know, before we had kids, we went to America and we landed in Dallas and went to a mall, and as we left the shop, the, the shopkeeper said, y'all, have a nice day. I always remember that. I, did, I just, I, oh, I was almost very rude and laughed. I just, I was like, oh, they, they, they do say that. <laughs> But I want you to remember that as we journey through the Bible today. And uh, uh, so let's go. So in the Bible, uh, we see a lot of scripture devoted to the temple and the tabernacle. We write when we read the Old Testament, there's a lot about it in there. And this is the place where Jewish believers come together to be in the presence of God. They come to make their animal sacrifice to atone for their sins. Then they can enter the presence of God, etc., etc. So coming to a place, a building, to encounter the presence of God must be important, right? Right. It is. It totally is. But it's not the whole story. And it's important to understand why. So uh, let's take a quick step back from that. We're going to begin in the Garden of Eden to discover the oranges of the temple. We've got the Garden of Eden. This is a lovely... Uh, oh! You said, the garden. you said the garden. I should have been more specific when I said to my husband, I need you to help me. I need you to source some pictures. It's a bit better. Okay. Obviously an artist's impression. But here in this beautiful garden that God created with the people he created... Bearing his image and likeness, God's presence was everywhere. Heaven met earth completely. God, Adam and Eve walked in perfect relationship together with one another and with nature. For a brief time, there was just no need for a structure. Then Adam and Eve decide to rebel against God and they're thrown out of the garden and out of God's presence. It's a bummer. It's not. Everything changed. Then we fast forward to the Exodus story. Some of you may be familiar with that. God's people, the Israelites, are enslaved in Egypt and they are totally distanced from their identity as image bearers of God. 
God calls Moses to lead them out of Egypt and he instructs them to build a tabernacle. Can we have the next picture? Again, sort of an artist's impression. It's basically a tent. In Exodus 25, 8, God commands, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among him. Among them, sorry. This way to access God's presence was almost like being back in the garden. Not quiet. Then we fast forward again several hundred years to the temple, a permanent structure built by King Solomon in Jerusalem. And again, an artist's impression, but stunning. A stunning building that took seven years, seven years to complete. And you can read about it in 1 Kings uh, chapter 6. In verse, in verse 13, God says to King Solomon, and I will live among the Israelites and I will not abandon my people Israel. His presence is there in a permanent location where God can love and care for his people. Anyone from any culture can journey to be with him there to worship him. But unfortunately, just like we see in the garden, God's leaders rebel against him and and the temple is destroyed. The people of God are exiled and distanced from their creator. Many years later, some Israelites return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple, but again, it is corrupted. You can read about that in the book of Malachi. But then, I love it, but God... The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's from John 1.14. Jesus is born and he changes everything. <laughs> oh, gee. I shouldn't have left him alone to do this, right? I just need supervision at all times. I have four children, not three. <laughs> oh, dear. No, who's loving the chosen? Who's watched the chosen? Incredible, incredible, loving, loving it. This is, this is Jesus here in the middle and he's hugging Simon, the character who plays Simon. So he is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is God with his people, finally. In John chapter 2, we see Jesus visit the temple I love this story too, it's so powerful. And he clears the market out of there. He's absolutely furious at the corruption he is seeing. And uh, reading from uh, John chapter 2, verses 18 to 21, the Jews then responded to him, what sign can you prove us, show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. You know, in the temple, if you do a little bit of research, there was this really thick curtain that separated the inner room where God's presence abided from the rest of the temple. You think of the thickest, heaviest curtain you've ever seen and is nothing like that. It's, it's, it's just way more. 
And Pete can tell you about it after the service. He's the theologian. But when, it, when Jesus died on the cross and he gave up his spirit, Matthew 27 recounts that at the moment, that at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, ripped apart. And this symbolised that God's presence was no longer confined to the temple. Because of Jesus' perfect blood sacrifice and victory on the cross, we no longer need animal sacrifices to atone for our sins and enter his presence. Jesus made a way for God to dwell with his people and in his people. This is not the only time we see this language. It's reflected uh, in what Paul says in the New Testament in, in 1 Corinthians 6, uh, in verse 90 to 20. He states, Don't you realise that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a price. So you must honour God with your body. A university professor says this about Paul's words, and this is where it all comes together. At face value, this could be mistaken as an individualistic idea. And I know some people who have. He says, however, in English, we don't have a grammatically correct way to differentiate between a singular you and a plural you all. Suffice to say, all of the yous in this text are actually second-person plurals. I'm going to have to get George to explain that to me after the service because it's been a long time since high school English. I need the journalist to tell me. That means we should read Paul's words as, your all's body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So everyone say, your all, your all, your all's are little temples of the Holy Spirit. And I'm so glad we get to do this journey together as a community. As Ephesians 4 says, we are to build each other up, serve one another and pray and worship together and equip one another for the good work God has prepared for us. And together, we are called to proclaim the good news of Jesus wherever we go. When we accept Jesus, his Holy Spirit abides in us. Heaven meets earth. We become connection points to God so that wherever we go, God goes too. We fulfil our commission to make disciples throughout the earth. When we belong to Jesus, we belong to his mission. And his mission is founded on relationship with both Jesus and one another. The two are inseparable and this is why community is so important. This is why gathering together on a Sunday morning at dinner parties, at prayer and worship meetings, during the week as we encourage one another, when we get together to study the Bible, this is why it is so important because we are designed to follow Jesus together. Lord, can I have you up? You know, this morning, I want to give you that opportunity to make a decision to follow Jesus. You may have been sitting here this morning 
and feel like suddenly it all makes sense. You might have had your Simon Peter moment and you've recognised that Jesus is your Saviour. And the way to respond to that is by praying your first and probably most important prayer. The Bible says that everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In this prayer, you declare that Jesus is your Saviour. You ask for forgiveness and commit to journeying with Him. And if that's you here this morning, whether it's for the very first time or perhaps you once walked with God and this morning you want to recommit to that relationship, I encourage you to pray this prayer wholeheartedly. If you're online, you can um, let us know that that's you by clicking the raise hand button and a private message window will pop up and one of our team will chat with you and help you as you start following God. But if you're here in the room and that's you, please come up to me after the service and let me know and uh, together with one of our team, we'll help you with the next steps. So why don't you stand with me? Let's pray together. Repeat after me, if you will. And if that, that is you, pray that wholeheartedly. God, today I declare that I believe in Jesus. Please forgive me for all my mistakes and help me to follow you wholeheartedly. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit and for giving me a community to belong to. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you this morning. Yeah, please take a seat. I want to encourage you that if you feel like there are some gaps in your world, there are so many ways to engage within our community. You know, as, as Cody mentioned, this Wednesday is our prayer and worship night. And everyone is welcome. It's another wonderful opportunity to get together, to praise, to worship, to be involved in lifting our prayers up together. It, who feels like sometimes it's a long time between Sundays? Things happen. Life happens and we need each other. So things like prayer and worship and dinner parties, a great way to be involved in community and also bring someone else to join in and find out what it's all about. 